Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the last June edition of the PFF forecast. We decided the best way to end would be just to recap the hearings today. Because uh, I guess Trump said some interesting. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you saw Eric's face, though. He got kind of excited. No, we're doing a mailbag uh, podcast today. We got a ton of good questions from the syndicate. And uh, there's still time. We're going live. So if you have questions, hop into the YouTube chat and ask away. We're going to take turns rotating through questions. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll also talk about Eric potentially buying a puka shell net, uh, necklace and whether he should do that or not. He's trying to get young again. Let's rock. I made a comment that, by the way, George and Eric here, PFF Forecast. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful Midsummer's Day. Uh, Eric got a lot of flack. I gave him a lot of flack for wearing an uh, acid wash uh, shirt on Sunday. He's, he's figured that out. Mm -hmm. But you're continuing. You're really getting that kind of youthful vibe with the bracelet that you've got going on. I know. On. My daughters, wh whom I love greatly. They're great people. Um, best dad in the world is the necklace that I got here. Congrats. Which, which I'm, yeah, I mean, look, I, I could coast from here <laughs> you would out. You would think you'd get something more than like a handmade necklace for that, but like, you know, better than nothing. I guess it's appropriate for dads, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not gonna get I'm not some a, trophy. Like, honest, honestly, like I'm in that point of life, especially when I was younger and I was making less money, I would always be like, what dad, what do you want for Humble Father's bag. Day? And I'd be like, for you not to spend any money on me was like my so like Look I started you, the bar really low a saint and now I but like the it's gotten higher um okay. as I've gotten older uh which is this this bracelet here um but yeah I'm, I'm I'm excited for this I I've taken down some uh comments that we got from like the iTunes stuff and There's some good and, questions and obviously good questions from the uh, uh from the listeners over time which is great um, where I, do you want to start? Well, I actually want to start with, um, so I'm, I'm going onto YouTube right now so I can watch the chat and there's an old PFF video that showed up that, um, is three years old and it has a question for us. Does Dak Prescott deserve Carson Wentz money <laughs> is the title of the video so <laughs> going back and just reading questions that were to, yeah. like seriously discussed from yep. three years ago would be a funny episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one, I mean, this was, I remember debating this. Um. <laughs> what do you think? Does Dak Prescott deserve Carson Wentz money? Yes or no? The, I mean, doesn't that like bring you to, you know, when like, so I, I've gotten some flack you know, in my QB tiers, for example, for not anointing Joe Burrow, not anointing Justin Herbert as mm -hmm. Hall of Fame quarterbacks after two years, right? Yeah. Like, I think that that is probably the biggest uh, takeaway there is that, you know, we do need to see it for longer than two years. We do, and, and we've jumped the gun on a few players. We jumped the gun on Mahomes. When Mahomes, in his first year, we basically are anointing him as that the best player in football. You think we did jump the gun on Mahomes? I, after after he threw fifty touchdowns as a second year player, I thought I think we all like basically said he was the wow. best player in football. Okay. And he was called the MVP. I think his level of play, Mahomes was better than Burrow or Herbert have ever oh, been. For sure. And then he won a Super Bowl. But like he has not even necessarily reached the same heights as he had his first two years. Of course not. And so like I think and that's that to me is like really the the hard thing about being a Bills fan, about being a Chargers fan, even like and I I, I love everybody here, but a Bengals fan too, where it's like if you get these years out of these guys, you better cash in. Like I think of as as a can like a Kansas City fan, I'm like 
you know what you know they they might they're they're a, like a relatively small ride away from not having won anything and the bills haven't won anything and you know the chargers have even made the playoffs with herbert and obviously with burrow like i wonder in a couple of years if you're going to look back and think yeah that freaking seven point lead against the rams in the super bowl and you let it blow and and now now burrow's making Derek carr money and he's you know or not even Derek carr money but burrow's you know what i'm saying like and that Bengals team is just kind of close but so, not that close i think you're you're speaking in uh not treasonous is not the right word but like people would say you're being kind of a heretic right now but i was just reminded of something yesterday by a good friend of mine because this Kyrie kevin durant thing is going on and uh, a good buddy of mine ross sent me a text and he was like can you imagine telling somebody that kevin durant would have played with Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kyrie Irving, James Harden again, and have won only two championships with Steph? Like, what would you have said? And you'd have been like, that's ridiculous. But remember that team, and that is a great reminder of, in sports, like you just can't, you just can't take these things for granted. Someone in the chat, um, uh, Glenn, said, yes, answer old questions, that would be a great show. Send us in good old questions. Go scour, yeah, scour YouTube, the globe. Twitter. Find me some good old questions. We'll talk about them. Let's kick this off uh, the right way. Why don't you start with your first listener question? Okay. So this one is from you, uh, iTunes, and it says, it's surplus value. Love the show. One question. How did you guys come up with your numbers for surplus value for Mac Jones? I love this, but I have no idea where this data is coming from and how can I access it for all players? Uh, we said that Mac Jones last season was worth $28.4 million on a cap hit of $2.83 million surplus value of 10 to 1. You know, So that depending on how you want to measure surplus value, you can either say it was you know, 20, uh, it would be like, a little over 20 a little under 25 million or you could say it's 10 to 1 as in 28 divided by 2.8 type of thing um this is something that's derived from pff war so um and we don't necessarily we don't make war available for for everybody it's for the teams and, and broadcasts and stuff we just had uh, uh our friend mike mike tarico into the office today and he was he was talking about war with us um what it was a good for and but yeah, the, so you talked to ukraine russia <clears throat> right that was not what i was expecting yeah. to come out of that conversation um, but so mike is a well-learned he uh, is very yeah. very good um and and so essentially like for quarterbacks and and i'll tweet out the graphics you know fairly often but for for quarterbacks every win above replacement is worth about 10 million dollars for non-quarterbacks it's about 50 million dollars so that's kind of how we sort of spin that out it's, and it's, why is that well so the quarterback position is constrained by the the salary cap as well as the um, the the rookie wage scale really hurts quarterbacks on the top end. Like Tom Brady is really like a discount. Patrick Mahomes is a discount. Aaron Rodgers is a discount because the rookie wage scale gets guys in like Joe Burrow under ten million when they're starting, and then but then the problem is is the franchise tag also pulls them down, right? Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to franchise tag Dak Prescott, it was at a certain number that is actually probably very much less than what he's going to make. But the team always has the option of franchise tagging mm -hmm. a player. So salaries are never going to get too out of control with that. And they're going to creep up, but they're going to creep up slowly. So that that's one of the reasons. But they they quarterbacks give you so much more of an outsized version of war that that ends up what what ends up being yeah. what it is so pa uh mac jones last year was worth 2.84 wins above replacement multiply that by 10 so that's 28.4 million generated on the field but he was only paid a a, a salary of 2.83 million as sort of cap hit so mm -hmm. that differential is surplus value that that's what we're working with here um you know terry mclaurin was another one uh, he's been worth about 0.4 wins above replacement over the course uh, of his career, which is a little shy of 20 million APY. He, of course, got more than that today, uh, which I actually don't hate because I think McLaurin earns more war if he plays with a better quarterback, which uh, he's probably sure to do this year in Carson Wentz. But, um, you know, so that's kind of where we, we come up with those numbers. We're kind of looking again at you know, how much value does a player generate versus how much they're being paid. And that's why, like, guys like me and George will – regard a guy like regard uh, 
Jalen Hurts. Please <laughs> regard me. And and Mac Jones. Name, people in the chat, name the the movie. Yeah, name that movie, which is a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, we'll regard somebody like Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, guys like that more highly when we're building a team than a guy like Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, because those guys are not necessarily generating as much war as they're being paid. The um. The interesting thing there that I was going to ask you as a follow-up question, let's say, let's say five years from now, we learn that we were too, and I don't, I actually don't believe this will be the case, but let's do a pre-mortem. Let's say five years from now, we're walking around telling people, yeah, we overestimated how important quarterbacks were. Mm -hmm. What's the reason? In my opinion, the only way that we we could come out and say we overestimated quarterbacks is if the league changed. So there is a scenario wherein everybody starts playing these two high looks, right? Everybody starts playing these, you know, 5.5 men per play in the box, 5.5 men in coverage, um, daring other teams to run the football. And that happens regardless of who the quarterback is, right? So that is flat with respect to who the quarterback is. Mm. And then running the football becomes something where, you know, like we look at, you know, the two the two teams that had the best uh, perfectly blocked run rate were the Washington football team last year and the Kansas City Chiefs. But a lot of that was formational. A lot of that was you're just blocking one less player. The Washington football team actually had really good run scheme and a lot of wide receivers in the game. So their their numbers were not, you know, their numbers weren't as hard. The Chiefs had, you know, the two high stuff. The The issue with that is, the Chiefs face the too high stuff because of Patrick Mahomes. So all that running space, all that kind of stuff, I still attribute to him. Mm -hmm. um, if the game evolves a way where teams are just going to say, look, we're playing too high no matter what. We're, we're not, our linebackers are not moving at all no matter what. And it's up to you to, play, to block five on four and to win every single time and to get six yards of carry then I think maybe there is a little bit of value shifted away from the quarterback. And that only, that only happens if that is applied to every offense the same. If it's applied only to the good quarterbacks yeah. and then you still play eight-man boxes against the shitty quarterbacks, like that's, then, then quarterbacks are still important evidently, right? So that's the one thing that I think could happen. I am a shark attack survivor. <laughs> it's couples retreat, by the way. Michael uh, got it right. Um, well done, sir. I, I think that's a good answer, but I think it's kind of a cop-out because you're changing the way the league runs. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm assuming like the league is only going to get more pass heavy because passing is more efficient and eventually people figure that out. Like what's, what's the reason? And gosh, I, you know, trying to think about this myself, one of the things that I was kind of coming up with was similar-ish to your answer where scheme becomes such a determinant of the passing game mm -hmm. and it's really about having like any anyone with an arm can throw you can make these throws and you've just got you know you've got so many people out there with an arm that can do that and it's really about these kind of other things like you know mobility or you know who your who your offensive line is who your wide receivers are um I, again i don't think that's gonna be the case do you think yeah i just i just think I mean, the analogy we made a while back where quarterback play is quarterback play is the mid-range jumper of basketball, mm -hmm. and there are some guys that can just knock down a mid-range jumper at the end of the shot clock, and there are guys who need to sit in the corner and shoot threes, right? Uncontested threes that are set up by other people. And that differential exists, and it will always exist. And, um, you know, that doesn't make you a bad player if you sit in the corner all day and shoot threes, but it certainly means you depend – you know, a, a lot more highly under teammates. And there are just going to be guys who are like that. Um, go in, ahead. In between, in between lengthier questions that we ask, I'm going to initiate a fire round. Okay. Where I'm going to pick questions from the chat and you're going to answer them in 10 seconds or less. Okay. Um, over under Sam Howell games started. This season? Yes. Two and a half. Nice. Uh, is DK getting traded? Yes. And last one from the fire round. Did Bruce Arians leak Brady's retirement because he was bitter? No. 
Okay. Uh, question that I have. This is a good question. This is from Matthew Wallace. Uh, Maddie Dub 49, which I assume means he's a 49ers fan, which is obviously why I'm reading this question. Uh, which current divisional favorite is the most likely to miss the playoffs? So let me go head over to DraftKings Sportsbook while you think about your answer, and I will read uh, for everyone the current divisional odds favorites. So in the, we'll start with your AFC West. The Chiefs are the favorite there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to treat all favorites the same. Bills, the favorite in the East. Cowboys, the favorite, uh, sorry, in the AFC East. Cowboys, the favorite in the NFC East. Packers, the favorite in the NFC North. In the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. I already mentioned the Chiefs. The Rams are the favorite in the NFC West. And in the AFC North, the Ravens are the favorite just by a smidge over the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. So the Bengals, I was going to say the Bengals, but they have not, they have been eclipsed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is interesting because, yeah. so, like, my gut reaction, and I think this is the wrong way to think about it, is the team with the, you know, the, sh- the longest yeah. odds would be the one that would be the least likely you know the most likely to miss the Kansas playoffs. City is a lot more likely to miss the playoffs than than like some of these other t- like in the NFC that are not higher that like so my my gut reaction is Dallas Dallas is a Dallas is like and and actually do you know you want to hear something hilarious who had the best point differential in the NFL last year uh was it the Packers? I think it was the Dallas Cowboys. Like, well, the Dallas Cowboys outscored their, their they, Dallas Cowboys in Pro Football Reference's perfect, uh, simple rating system was first. The Dallas Cowboys outscored their opponents last year by ten points a game. Yeah, they had some blowouts. They had some blowouts, right? and they were also they just- killed the Commanders like literally yeah. t- two times. <laughs> That'll do it. So okay, yeah, and they had the two Eagles games. So I two, yeah. I think you're wrong, though, in that shouldn't the team most that's like a division favorite that's most likely to miss the playoffs be one in the AFC because the AFC is better? That's, that's what I'm saying. So I think, so for example, I think like the Dallas Cowboys have shorter odds to win the East than the than like the other teams, but they could still back ass into the playoffs. Oh, at so eight, you're nine. saying they're more likely to lose the division but make the playoffs than a team like the like Chiefs. a team like yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs is like minus two twenty to make, win the division, but I could totally see them going nine and eight or ten and seven and missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like Green Bay could like have a crappy year but still finish nine and eight and back into the playoffs. Um, I think it's still and, Dallas. And, and, and by the way, you can bet on this. So the yeah. the Cowboys are minus two fifty to make the playoffs. To make the playoffs, and your Kansas City Chiefs are minus two fifteen. So uh, Vegas would seem to agree with me yeah yeah i think the afc is just i mean the the fact like what would you put as the actually they would disagree with you because this is to make the playoffs so the cowboys are minus 250 to make the playoffs and, and the chiefs are minus 215 yeah. so the, the chiefs are more likely to miss to miss the playoffs than dallas okay um if you okay here's the question i have the seventh seed in the nfc versus the afc handicap the game difference between those two teams you mean the difference between playing those te- two teams in the playoffs? Uh, well, no, no. Like, like, let's say the AFC team that's the seventh oh, seed like is, wins many... 10 games and the NFC teams win eight. That's a two. So would you put that one and a half? I, my initial inclination was to go more than that. But the t- schedule that the team in the AFC has to play mm-hmm. also comes in, into yep. play. So, yeah, I think one and a half is right. Um, okay, so my initial answer, interestingly, Eric, and I was this is why I read this question. My gut reaction to this was that the correct answer is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Now, this sounds like I'm on drugs. I am not, in fact, on drugs. Um, but I think the reasoning here is pretty obvious. They have the hardest path of an AFC team to winning that division, right? Yeah. Um, now, the the counterpoint to this is, okay, let's condition on this team missing, or, or sorry, not winning their division. Which of these teams, and it's, you know, in the AFC, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Ravens, 
conditioned on them not making, uh, not winning the division. Which one is most likely to it's, be a shit show? It's the Colts. And it's the Colts. Yeah. Like, so the, the correct answer here is the Colts, who are actually minus money to win the division. But if they, like, yeah. the chances are that they could be a nightmare. Whereas with the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Ravens, there's less nightmare potential for them. Yeah, I think I think that I think that it's a it's a Oh, it looks like people agree with me. That's good. That's yeah, a first. I, I think the Colts uh, yeah, I think the Colts really have to lay down to not win this division. Um and, and and that's, you know, a good thing. Okay, let's let's look at another question here. Yep. Um uh, I'm going through the uh Somebody asked a rug, our, our friend Sean Clement uh, of Sumer, uh, Sean Clement of, um, uh, of formerly of the Miami Dolphins and the and the and the Baltimore Ravens. I want to say, um, you know, he asked about would American football be better with rugby backward pass rule instead of the NFL's current rule for backward passes. The he says yes. I actually am not familiar enough with rugby that I would know. Thanks um, for asking that question. But but he asked that question. Um, would I, I would I bet the Colts plus one forty to miss the playoffs? Is that what they are? Yeah, I think that's not a bad call. To be honest yeah, with you, I don't. Um, especially for you, a, a Jacksonville Jaguar yourself. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let me let me. But I I don't know enough about rugby to give a, a good answer to that question. Um. So let me uh let me let me actually ask a better one here i'm going through here um how do quality tiers and distributions matter differently to different position groups so expect eg o-line important to be average with no clear weak link mm. is d-line the same or does having one elite player matter more or is it depth above average talent etc well depth this is a good question depth because matters. I, I think that i think that folks i think that folks don't quite like grasp firmly how important depth is to every position mm. except QB. Okay. So QB is obviously the, the one where depth does not matter and having one elite player matters the most. The The position group where an elite player matters the second most would be what in your mind? I think it is. I think it's either wide. So, so I'll come back. So wide, wide receiver and defensive line are still weakling systems. Like you, you still go as far as your depth goes, but they are stronger link systems than everything else. Then, then everything else on the, uh, in the, in the, in the game. So it's quarterbacks, a strong link system. Like your depth doesn't really matter. You, you, your quarterback gets hurt. Fucked. But every other position is, is, you know, statistically speaking, you go as far as sort of your worst, uh, you, you go as far as like your second or third worst player at wide receiver. It's especially exacerbated in the playoffs, but I'll say wide receiver. And here's why, because I think once you have that depth or, or even in the absence of depth, a really, really good player can win you a lot of games, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think of Jamar chase, I think of Devonte Adams. Those were like J Jamar chase took a team that was a four win team and got him to yeah. the super bowl partially obviously with burrow but like he he's a force multiplier you look at defensive line i think that that player if defense was as equal in importance as offense then the answer would be edge but defense is not as important as offense so a defensive end who comes in and has a comparable output to jamar chase is not affecting his team as much as jamar chase is okay i agree with you i have a slightly different reasoning but i think it ends excuse me it puts us in the same place at the end so the way that I answer this question is, again, I agree. It's between wide receiver and defensive line, you know, edge, edge rusher uh, or Aaron Donald. And the question, the way that I answered this is, given the other things that you have on your team, which one is going to be worse, that much worse off if you have just depth versus if you have the elite player? And the way that I think you answer this is, a, is scheme. Mm -hmm. And... You know, yes, you can certainly scheme a bunch of average receivers, no doubt about it. But in my opinion, you can do a much better job. And I think we've seen this where if you just have depth along the defensive line, you know, guys like Bill Belichick, who have had nobodies on the defensive line, 
mean, Kyle Van Noy has been leading, yeah. you know, the the Super Bowl champion Patriots in pressures. And so I do think it's a very close question. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the elite wide receiver is a little bit more special above the scheme uh, and enhances the play better than the defensive line. Cool. Um, that's a good question. Okay. It is time for another lightning round. Uh, first question here in the lightning round. Um, oh, shoot. I forgot. Where is that? Oh, is Deontay Johnson going to finish as a top 12 receiver this year? No. <laughs> the quarterback. So, but, uh, man, the quarterback's been bad there for a while. But yeah. at least Big Ben got the thing out of his hands and I think like was like uniquely suited to having Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's good. Too many drops, but a good player. I, I thought you were going to say, was he going to finish his career in Pittsburgh? Mm. I think no, no, no way. Like, Pittsburgh does not sign these receivers to second deals. So, um, okay. Uh, second question. Um, how close in your mind are Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts as passers? Uh, a standard deviation or less? Less than a standard deviation. Mac, so here's the thing we don't know about Mac Jones. I think, and somebody called us on this. I thought it was fairly reasonable. I don't think either one of us will say that Mac Jones is a high ceiling, right? Um, I think I think people know why. Uh, from week 12 on last year, here was Mac Jones's passing grades. 53, 45, 61, 46, 85 and a half. That was against Jacksonville, so it doesn't count. 56.8, and then in the playoff game against Buffalo, 76. But, of course, that was, you know, 6.1 yards an attempt, mm-hmm. you know, four, 38 attempts. They were behind by a mile going into that game. Um, Hertz was more consistent. Like, like Jones started his career wonderfully. His 10 seconds or less thing is great. By Sorry. By, <laughs> damn it. Anyway. Uh, Sorry I think about the swearing. I think it's close. Okay. Um, this is a good question. This is from um, Andre. Horatius99 on Twitter. And his question, I think, is very interesting. Uh, Maybe I'm biased because I do auction drafts in fantasy. But what if the draft were auction style instead of normal? Okay, so everyone, let's say everyone enters with the dollar equivalent of their draft picks, you know, salary. Mm -hmm. I think this is fascinating and this would be amazing television can you imagine jerry jones in an auction stock this would be incredible i love this question what would pff strategy be stars and scrubs or you know spread it out oh i i yeah and i think it was spread it out um but i also think that this is what it would be like if you abolished the the draft altogether you would just give the yes and no salary cap yes and uh, you'd keep the salary cap. You'd have the, you'd have your salary cap like sort of dictate how much you could spend. Right. I do think it'd be really interesting though for everyone to go into the draft with like the same amount of money, right? Because by and large, teams do have right. Isn't isn't the draft capital closer than like actual salary cap? That but they but have it, but you don't get it. You don't get it reallocated. Like it's That's true. It, and it's such a, an insignificant part of your salary cap that it hardly ever matters. But in a bidding war situation, I think what you would see is fewer teams, fewer teams acting like the Raiders did at the recruit, the beginning of the Gruden era. You'd see fewer teams. You'd see fewer teams bidding on Cleveland Farrell. You'd see well, no, because yeah, this I, is what would happen. This is this is what would happen. This yeah. would be a first off. Anyone that plays fantasy and does an auction draft knows exactly what's about to fucking happen. Think about the first time that you did an auction league. Okay, I remember this clear as day. I'm, I'm in two leagues, one with my college buddies, one with my high school buddies, and the first auction draft. And honestly, the ones since then all go the same way, where people overspend a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. on the players that they want at the top of the draft. Yep. I've spent like $200 on Tom Brady before, and I have no shame. Um, but That's but what I, would happen, right? But I think like what, I, what I'm trying to say is I don't think teams – so this is the 2018 Raiders, so Gruden's first year. Derek Carr was making a lot of money, right? Doug Martin was on this team. Marshawn Lynch was on this team. Uh, Jordy Nelson was on this team. Jared Cook was on this team. Um, 
uh, I'm trying to think of everybody else. Like Tahir Whitehead was on this team. Like they had a bunch of no no offense, but like crappy veterans on this team. If you had to if you had to keep a war chest around to bid for rookie players, mm-hmm. you would never ever do this, right? True. The only reason True. the Raiders could get away with doing this is because they know that draft picks are cheap and they're cost controlled. And so if they completely crap themselves signing Jordy Nelson yeah. that they that they could get out of it, teams would like veterans, I would say, would not last the 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 veterans in the NFL will not see the light of day if there was a draft like if the if the draft was con- concocted that way. The Raiders would call out Cleveland Furl and yeah. it would just be they'd, they'd call him out and their starting bid like say everyone you know actually like, the Raiders would do better right because well no no because here's what they do you think so but they're not calling out Cleveland Furl starting at a dollar yeah, 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 yeah. they're calling yeah. out Cleveland Furl like Cleveland Furl fifty bucks and everyone's like yeah, yeah. wait but what no, do they know that but may, know? and maybe the Chiefs would be like uh, yeah fifty two bucks like they'd bid them up a little bit just to know because they thought they were tough. Like, stop it like whenever. We've had a fair number of questions that have nothing to do with the Chiefs, and it's been really yeah. refreshing. By the way, if you're playing fantasy, so you know it's getting to that time, and I, per, I, I know you do this. I do this too, um, not as much as you do, but by far the best way to prep yourself for your fantasy draft, whether you do auction or not, is to go to Underdog Fantasy and do some best ball drafts. Because the, the nice thing is you can put real money on it, so you know people aren't fucking around. It's not any of that stupid mock draft bullshit that's out there. And you can actually win money because of it. Best ball doesn't require you to do any of that start, sit, decision BS. You don't have to pick up players on waivers. You draft the players and then you pl- the ones that score the most play. Um, and here's the cool thing. You go to Underdog Fantasy or download the app right now. Use promo code PFF and deposit up to 100 bucks. They'll match it. And then when you use promo code PFF and play 10 of those dollars, you get a free PFF subscription. This is such a freaking deal. So go do that right now. Promo code PFF, Underdog fantasy.com or the app um quick question so this question came in friend of the podcast member of the syndicate matthew c divine uh and i actually am now thinking about the other side of this question so his question is how are the seattle quote (laughs) we need another running back to establish the run seahawks an absolute lock at under five and a half plus 105 now my question to you is i I know what you're gonna ask they're if they're trading for baker mayfield they're winning six games. No, they are not. <laughs> like I, I, I do. Like I, the only thing that's keeping me, and I do have a bet on Seattle under. And the only thing that's keeping <laughs> me from betting Seattle under more is waiting for Baker Mayfield. Come on down. You are the next contestant on the Price Is Right. Like I, I think Wilson might. I think Russell Wilson might not be a Super Bowl candidate player in the first year in in Denver. Like that's one part of my opinion. But my other part of the opinion is he was absolutely keeping that thing alive in in Seattle. Seattle, you remember those games where Russ was struggling yeah. when he came yeah. back and he couldn't like feel the ball. They they went to Washington and lost to something called the football team. Hey, they have Carson Wentz now. They're a real football team. They they. Did you watch the game against against Green Bay where like neither the Rodgers had long covid and freaking Russell yeah. Wilson couldn't grip the ball and that was like a that was like it was it was atrocious and like you watched the Geno Smith games remember we sweated out Geno Smith that. Sunday night football game uh, Gene, you said jeans. the word jeans and he covered they covered but my thing is that the Seattle Seahawks and I know they, they just hire some analytics people we, we like. Uh, good for them. I'm really happy for them. The Seattle Seahawks are a bus fire of talent. They have no talent at all. DK Metcalf is like is a fabulous wide receiver who is going to have like 617 yards this year. Tyler Lockett, same thing. This is like this team, the, the drop-off from Baker yeah. to Baker from Russell Wilson is still enough. For our friend Matthew to be extremely right here. So I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, the the Seattle Seahawks, if you think about, I like to think about NFL teams as like the strength of a cast on a TV show. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks are a shitty, uh, you know, uh, Spanish speaking soap opera <laughs> with um, with the the oh how am I forgetting her name? It just escapes me. Gloria on Modern Family yeah, 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 as yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, characters. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like it's like Gloria on Modern Family's over here getting yeah, discovered, yeah, yeah. and, and everyone she, else she goes. She goes to Modern Family, <laughs> yeah. and the thing just yeah. bl- like that's yeah. the Denver Broncos. Yeah. But like people are still watching yeah, some yeah. of those reruns uh, at some point. Um, that's the, that is your Seattle Seahawks. I feel like we've come up with more ideas for other podcasts on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. By the way, it's Sophia Vergara. Sophia Vergara. Yeah, yeah. The Seattle Seahawks are a shitty ass soap opera that just so happens to have a young Sofia Vergara on it. Um, you're welcome. Uh, by the way, Chef, by the way, a low-key great Sofia Vergara movie. Good movie. Yeah. Th- and by the way, Favreau parlayed that into a Netflix special. That's right. He yeah. did. He Good goes around him. cooking Good on a him. Netflix show. He, he, he chopped That's, it up on that movie, though. That <laughs> chopped it up on that movie. <laughs> by the way, I, I don't know if we've talked about this, but that's the dr- people talk about dream jobs all the time. The dream job is like having a show where they pay you to travel the world and like eat shit. Yeah. Like Stanley Tucci touring Italy. Yeah, Stanley, like, wow. By doing the, way, the Lord's work. Has Stanley. Stanley Tucci missed ever? No. The guy just doesn't miss. That guy, he's he's great in Margin Call. He's great in, I mean, he's the, great in every the, movies. He's great in the the uh, that one movie with um, Emma has, Stone in it as her dad. He's he's great in everything. What movie is that? The uh, the Scarlet Letter one where she's wearing the A. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Stanley Tucci is a good um, is a good uh, person for the least known person with the best life. Yeah, yeah, he's I, right. Like I actually, people that not many people actually like. He's not super, super famous, but has truly had like Easy A. a yeah, that's it. A ninety nine point nine percentile life. He, he I, I rec- uh, recommended his book on 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 this podcast okay. before, but uh, I I can't remember who's. Uh, turn it is, but I have another okay, rapid fire me. round. What would you put the Lions win total at? Seven. Uh, the coolest uniforms in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, they're good. Because they're, they're old, the old school one. Yeah. Um, the best stadium in the NFL. I haven't been to all of them. It's clearly Paul Brown. <laughs> um. Of the ones that I've been to, I would say, I mean, Dallas is just like impressive. The new, I mean, SoFi is insane. I heard SoFi is crazy. SoFi is nuts. It's not like the, the thing is, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for nostalgia and freezing your ass off and football, yeah, then go to Arrowhead in you know, December, yeah. right? But like, if you want to truly enjoy the game, now the only caveat I will put here is that the, the, um, Oh, good point. SoFi is very loud. It is very loud. It's also such a bitch to get out of. The the, the one place is Are also, people going to football games in 10 years? I, I think, well, so... That's my question. Good question, because here's the thing. So I went to a, a, a Vikings-Packers game in Lambeau with my uncles in 2013, and we stayed in like a... Like, it's a small town with a football stadium. It's still hard to get out of. But I just remember how like quiet Lambeau Field was because it it's sort of like not built the way I used mm-hmm. to go to games in the Metrodome. I've been to a bunch of games at Arrowhead. Yeah. Lambeau's another good one if you want football. If you want football, yeah. you Lambeau Field is the iconic. Yeah, yeah, and, Lambeau's the one. Sorry. And the people are crazy about it, and there's bleachers, and it's I, sorry, Nagler. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the but it, it's it's still like the question is is like when I go to Bengals games, I go to Bengals games, and I'll have like. I'll have NFL Red Zone on my phone just to like check every once in a while. Like the only time I don't is like when I go, you know, if we're deep into the season and I'm just like, I'm tired of football, like I'll just go to a Bengals game just to watch one game at a time, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like being here and watching like 15 of them. But like, I think in 10 years, like, I mean, if they don't have, so Wrigley Field just put a sports book inside the stadium. If there's not a sports book in every stadium, I don't think people are going. Okay. So sort of front run gambling is probably one way people But will that's go. not that's not a big enough market. Like at the end of the day, this is like engagement and fun. Like there's not mm-hmm. enough degenerate like you it'll be you'll be able to bet on your phone quickly yeah. enough. Like my hypothesis, this is not financial advice, yeah. but when Apple and or Amazon is the re- the way that you are watching games, you will get it quickly enough that you can bet on games and the online service providers, which will probably be also owned by Amazon and Apple, will make it super easy for you to bet. In a perfect world, Amazon, Facebook. Not Facebook. Google, whatever. Yeah, It's Amazon or Apple because those are the companies that I'm invested in, Eric. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but they're, they're offering two cent lines. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like when you have the user base that like an Amazon has, 
and they like, don't care about the juice on the lines. That's the incredible thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. they, but they, that, that's their whole business model is offering two cent lines, yeah. right? And like, so right now, like Barstool is offering 12 cent lines and Amazon comes in with their user base and offers two cent lines. You know, you're going to get Can a ton I, of hold and so they're going to kill it and it's going to make sense. I am going to hazard a prophecy. Oh. We'll see if this is correct. I don't think, God, I'm going to be so wrong here. I'm not sure it's 10 years, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 20. In under in less than 20 years, people will not be going to watch the games live unless it is a dramatically a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. In the way that something like a music festival mm -hmm. is now a totally yeah, different yeah. thing. And cost it, is a big deal, right? Yeah, right. It will, if it's going to be that expensive, it's going to be a totally different experience. It's going to be there for people to be seen, you know, not necessarily to watch the product. But my belief is it'll be more people will go to places to watch mm -hmm. games that aren't the stadium. Yeah. That, because that, if betting really is a thing, then yeah. what you want is an atmosphere. Like I believe that with a few tweaks, Stadium swim is like the place that people are going across the, the, the country the, to watch the football. The tweak being the, the cost. I mean, like we were talking, I was talking to a friend who works for our company. He was, you know, he's a Niners fan. And he was saying, you know, and they live in Seattle. He's just like, I want to go to a Niners game, but it's like six grand to fly to, yeah. to fly to San Fran, drive out to Santa, uh, Santa Clara, sit in traffic, sit in shitty seats. Right. Yep. Like, but my, my thing is, and like, shout fan, out Dave Donovan, by the way. Yeah. Fans don't. Fans don't also like we move around so much now, right? Traditionally, mm, you know, point. adults adults had hot what like I the, empirically I'm not exactly going to get these numbers right, but we have like an order of magnitude more jobs than we ever had before, right? And we move more, so like somebody like me, you know, I I also didn't grow up in Kansas City, but like I'm living in Cincinnati, and I'm a Kansas City fan, so I'll 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 part ways with a bunch of shekels to fly to to fly to one game a year or whatever and go. But it's a it's an expense, right? And you know, one of the reasons I take my kids to MLS games and WNBA games is they're inexpensive and they don't care. Their their, their price elasticity, you know, is yeah. non-existent with these games, or their enjoyment so, elasticity is not is non-existent with these games. So it's what I do. But like to me, that's the one thing that's keeping these live things alive is families want to enjoy events with their kids. The problem is for the average family, like going to like Soldier Field is probably not tenable that much. You know, they, and there should be experiences that are way cheaper, that are more engaging right. for their kids. Like I mentioned stadium swim. I'm not talking about like an adult, yeah, you know, yeah. situation. I'm talking about like, you can have these for kids too, right. you know, like these kinds of environments. Our neighborhood in, in Madeira had a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, when they were, when Ohio State was facing Nebraska, they did have like, they erected one of these like big floaty things and had the game projected on it. Like mm -hmm. there are things that are happening like this. And I, I do agree. I think. The, the, it will be far different. Here's a great question, and I want to direct this to you. We talked okay. about this, by the way, uh, when we were we had our meeting with our friend Mike and, and obviously Chris and mm -hmm. folks who wanted to, you know, we're learning more about football today. Fus, Funstago a, a Alden. Member, Twitter, a long-time member. Long-time member of the syndicate. Yeah. Uh, good, OG. Good, uh, great, loyal listener here. Number one, defense is a weak link system. Number two, paying for run defense is inefficient. Three, secondary player grades fluctuate year to year. Question, why not play as light of a defense as possible with as many cheap young DBs, hoping some of them end up hitting? I think he's almost there, but I want to I want to hear you. Um, why not? So the one thing that I would disagree with, and I'm curious if this was the why you say you're almost there, is paying for run defense actually inefficient? Because my belief is that it is actually that is the one thing that is efficient is paying for run defense the right way, right? Paying for a run stuffing defensive tackle is efficient. Paying for a pass rusher is not. Um, so I would I would basically do that. And I'm glad you asked this question. I liked this question. I have one that I'll follow up with that's similar for you on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I would basically do this, except that I would spend efficiently up front with run defense in mind. Mm -hmm. 
By the way, the 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 uh, chat said the gang invents a sports bar. That's not what we were meaning. What? That, Stop. <laughs> um, but I yeah. So you you hit the nail on the head. Like you can't and and the Chargers prove this. You can't have you can't play light boxes and have absolute sieves playing defensive line for you. Yeah. Um, however, you can. So you know. So I look I look here. Um, defensive lineman uh, wore the last two years. Aaron Donald, um, J.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, Chris Jones, Eric Armstead, Leonard Williams, John Franklin. We're starting to get to some higher paid mm-hmm. guys, right? Mm-hmm. Christian Wilkins, a first-round pick. Jonathan Allen, first-round pick. DeForest Buckner, you know, first-round pick. But then you start getting to some players. So Zach Sealer for the Miami Dolphins, you know, very a valuable player, has didn't necessarily get paid a lot. Calais Campbell, our friend, my friend on Twitter, uh, Calais Campbell, doesn't cost much of anything anymore. He's still one of the most valuable players in his position in football, holding the point of attack. We talked about Sean Robinson last show. Uh, that's another one. Uh, David Onyemata, not a terribly uh, expensive guy. Puna Ford, that's a top 20 value, and you're not paying him a lot of money. Even somebody like Dalvin Tomlinson the last two years has been the 22nd most valuable defensive mm-hmm. interior. Cost the Vikings $11 million. That's about half of what the top-end group does. Um, you know, From a cost standpoint... You need to have somebody to hold the point of attack. And I think it's going to be somebody who's less maybe, um, you know, of a Haas than you're used Mm to, right? It's less of a, like a Cam Hayward than people believe, but it's still uh, certainly uh, valuable to have. Okay. This is the question that I was going to ask that is the kind of offensive analogy of this, uh, not analogy, um, synonym to this, which is, Run pass splits right now are inefficient. You are the coach of an NFL team. What do your run pass splits look like? I I would resemble more of like what the CFL does. So the CFL has three downs. You usually punt on third down unless it's third and short. If you run on first down and it's not efficient, your drive is basically – because those quarterbacks aren't as good, right? If I had a league average quarterback, I would throw the ball probably on early downs. I'd throw the ball 80% of the time. Um, I on And then from there, I'd let it be dictated by EPA stuff. So, like, if it's second and four, I'd run. If You know, uh, run more than I'd pass. But it's mostly about, like, what your run-pass splits look like when you can control. And that's first and ten. And I would make a run-pass split of 80% on first and ten. And I would select – why if, why only 80 is my question well you you have to have some deception like so if you don't and again i i i'm making an assumption here mm-hmm. but if i never ran the ball then play action would i would imagine and play action is becoming less effective anyway you look at linebacker movement data and stuff like linebackers don't bite as much as they used to but i would need some sort of you know, and, and I think if my passing rate was 80%, I would face boxes that were conducive to me getting six yards on first down running the ball a, a fair mm-hmm. amount of time. So I would make I would run the ball 80% of early downs. And then from there, I would let it be dictated. I would never run on a second and seven. I would never run on, you know, I, I would never my run. King. Yeah, I would never run on. I would run a lot on second and third, you know, second. Because I think the other thing that people don't get is, you know, people are like, oh, it's second and three. You can throw the ball deep. Like that was that's one of the biggest like myths I've you know I, I, the you getting first downs is important, right? Third and one or third and two, and you throw a pass, it gets batted down. Well, you wish you would have had that down back because now you're either going for fourth down or you're punting. Mm-hmm. Um, second and short is a rundown for me. I'm trying to get first downs like the whole time. I'm just trying to get first downs, and a run play on first and ten is not a path to getting a first down. Like, it's just not. Like, I'm trying to get a first down and every down. And so I'm passing the ball 80% of the time. And and only doing running on 20% because I'm selecting my team to have some efficient things in the run game, namely a running quarterback and, you know, and box counts that are super small. So when I do run, it's the the box count is really light. That That's going to be my, my answer. 80-20. I want to say that that might that's kind of my hypothesis for where equilibrium lies i think that's a good guess but i would test it like i would go out there and i would throw 100 percent of first downs mm-hmm. and i would like i would see you know like because 
you know, I agree with you. If you have a running quarterback, I think that changes things a little bit. But I would sort of reserve running for like plays where I'm catching the defense off guard, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just pick up a first down, I go no huddle. You know, they've got no clue what they're doing. I do a quick count. You know, I'd have those running plays kind of ready to go um, and sort of use them as those uh, daggers. So I would say I would I would try 100%. I would try 97, 95 and kind of see how it goes. Um, and you may think that's crazy and ridiculous on first and 10. I don't. I think I would run more than the average team does, though, on third and short. I would run more on second and short. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, I would think about also, and I know I'm not like a scheme nerd here, so don't like put me in prison for this. But, you know, just because play action exists doesn't mean that it's the only form of misdirection. You know, so I'm not going to come up with it here on the spot, but like there are other ways to, you know, as you said, like play action is working less and less. Yes, because People aren't stupid. Like they know mm. what's happening here. Yeah. A, a defender is going to learn over time that if it's a run action, that if they react to the run, the chance of ruin is way higher than if they react to the pass and then react to the run. Like right. they're going to learn that over time. And so there will be different ways it was to slow, cause though. misdirection. It was slow. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I'm not saying like that you come back to like the mm. halfback draw. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, you know, I, I would test it out. Okay. Uh, let's do one more question from you. Okay. Uh, let me let me get back to where we are here. Um, and actually, this is going to come from a previous. This is going to be this is going to be unsolicited. Um, let's go to. Um, who is the cutoff at quarterback for where you try to this build is a around good question. them? And and versus where you keep throwing resources at it. This is also a similar question to. Uh, uh, Zach Bradlow, uh, who a good friend of the show as well, who said basically like of the quarterbacks who are not on of the quarterbacks who are not on veteran deal or not on rookie not deals. on rookie deals. Which where's the where's the how which of them would you prefer over a rookie uh, like a, young a highly, or Stroud, a highly dry, drafted rookie like Young and Stroud? So those are two similar questions. Oh man, I'm glad you asked this one because I was going to ask it. Um, so like the 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 analogy that that zach used here was would you like would you rather have russ or lamar at their non-rookie deal or young rice young or stroud man and this is similar to the is russell wilson elite question Mm -hmm. which i think we're kind of answering here too Mm mm-hmm Man, I, wow. Okay, I reserve the right to change my mind. But I think I would rather have, I think to me, Lamar is the cutoff. And I think Russ is right inside. Okay. And the reason that I say that is if you were redrafting those guys, you would take them number one without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. And the hit rate on a number one quarterback is not 100%. And you can win, like, you can win a Super Bowl with those guys, in my opinion. Yeah. The, Even if you're paying them. The, 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 the real question I think folks have to ask themselves is, do you believe that Baker Mayfield was a successful pick at number one overall? Because I think that that really directs the answer to all these questions. What's your answer? Yes. I think Baker Mayfield was a, a successful number one overall pick. And, and I think ultimately... Why? I So in the preceding 32 games before Mayfield the Browns were 1 and 31 in the games that Baker Mayfield played the Browns were 30 and 30 now again I think everybody says oh when the with that first pick you need to have the next franchise quarterback Mm -hmm. and the base rates would suggest that that's actually not like the base rates would suggest that you're asking too much okay so I'll disagree 
and, but here's my, yeah, here's my okay. reasoning for that. Guess where they are now? Well, they're in fucking hell is where yeah, they yeah. are right but, now. But back, back up the train a little bit. And, and I, <laughs> assuming Deshaun Watson was a normal quarterback. And they did all this. They did all this stuff. <laughs> this no, is no, how we know. No, we're no, done no, no. Because yeah, yeah. here's my yeah. I get what you're saying. Here's I get my what point. You're Baker like, Mayfield showed the Browns what was possible. Right, right, right. So what you're saying is assume that uh, Deshaun Watson wasn't a total fucking piece of trash, and right. that you know that he was a, a good person, and you just happened to be able to get a good Correct. quarterback. Baker Mayfield. Look, the Browns went eight nine last year. And Baker Mayfield was like the worst version of himself. Yeah, Can only Jimmy G could ever from two thousand and, and sorry, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and twenty. That Browns team played exactly one playoff game mm-hmm. and won none of them. And now Browns fans are pissed off about an eight and nine season, right? That that's my point. Like Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was good enough to show the Browns what was okay. possible. Okay, so your answer to After this question: years of not, where is the cutoff? The cutoff for me, the best it, dad in the world, answering this question. You've been waiting. The cutoff for me is that tier that I put Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford in. Oh, okay. So, so you got the you got the first tier, which is the Hall of Fame guys. Yeah, and yeah. The homes, so, you, so Russ and Lamar are in there, and you're yeah. extending it actually a little bit further out than yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, like I think I wouldn't give up on Stafford because I do think Stafford. I wouldn't give up on Stafford either. Yeah. But you wouldn't rather have the number one over. I think the here's where I think this question hinges, is on what are you assuming the strength of that number one or of that draft class are, you know, like if it's Trevor Lawrence, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. If mm-hmm. it's Joe Burrow, I'm taking Joe Burrow. Yeah. If it's this recent class, then no, of course not. So I think that also. Yeah, um, you you make a good point. The number one overall pick is, is certainly a thing that okay i have one more question it's a good question that came from the chat um before i get we, there we really appreciate all of you guys by the way yeah hanging uh, out on a, guys on a and gals Tuesday giving us questions and stuff so we really appreciate that by the way because we love you so much 25 percent off a pff subscription with promo code forecast f-r-e-c-a-s-t right now at pff.com get yourself set up for the entire season with all of the grades data content betting and fantasy tools that you could possibly need Plus some cool stuff coming your way this season. So go get it. Forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T is the promo code. Okay. Um, we had our secondary rankings come out. Mr. Michael Renner put these together. He had Baltimore uh, at number one. And Jordan Poyer, Poyer of the Buffalo Bills quote tweeted it with a laughing emoji. Does he have a beef? I mean, okay. The the Bills last year were fantastic everywhere on defense. Um, they were first in everything. And Trey White was hurt for the second half of the year, yeah. right? That happened against uh, the the Bucks. They also faced one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. They fa- they had the they had from a weather standpoint the easiest home games to play in for a defense. Um. When their wind speed average and median was the highest in the nine games they played at home. So they had a lot of things go in their favor. And then this is also f- forward-looking. You know the team that led the league or was the worst team in football last year in yards per play allowed? It was the Ravens. Ravens, yeah. yeah. Like, the Ravens were terrible defensively. But, obviously, you have Peters, you have Humphrey out for a great deal of the season. Um, they drafted uh, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, they drafted Kyle Hamilton. They get Marcus Williams to play free safety. Chuck Clark's still on that team. Um, so I would put the Ravens in the top 12. I don't know if I'd put them one. I think one's a huge projection because the the, the thing – Who should be one? Uh, see, this is where I disagree with Mike, and I know Mike's a Packers fan. Green Bay. Like, Jair Alexander's the most valuable defensive player in the league 2020. Right. If we're allowing for projection from an injury injured player back, mm-hmm. a then the Buffalo Bills have a point because, like, basically what you're saying is Trey White's hurt, Kahir Elam comes in. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not sure about that. Teron Johnson's a great nickel. Yeah. So, like, I do think Buffalo has a case. Plus, the safeties are really good. But to me, it's Packers, right? Because you go, Adrian Amos is the second most valuable safety in the NFL the last few mm-hmm. years. We talked about that last week. 
Jair Alexander is one of, if not the best corners in football with inside-outside flexibility. Mm-hmm. Eric Stokes, I know he didn't – we didn't like him much, but he played well as a rookie. Rasul Douglas played well last season. So you got three corners who, in theory, are good football players. Mm-hmm. Darnell Savage is a first-round pick who's, you know, he's fine. Like, I think that there's a lack of a lack of weakness there that people are buy, should buy more into. But secondary rankings are hard because you, you're you're having to predict injuries. You're having mm-hmm. to predict yeah. fall off. You're yeah, having yeah. to predict, you know, like. You're well, ha- I don't think you should try to predict injuries, right? You should just kind of say like, well, this is kind of where they're at. Right. You but know, like how good is Marcus healthy. Peters going to be after a year out of it? Yeah, yeah, I get like, what you're saying. Project, kind of project like, I don't return know. from injury. Yeah, that and yeah. Or how, yeah, like how good is Trey White going to be if he got injured in November? He's not, He's now playing like. Clearly, Marcus Peters is going to be further along, but how much further along? Yeah, no, that's fair. I'll give you one more that I believe should have a case here, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. You have Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and then Javon Holland in the back there. They have some questions at nickel, um, but I think that's one to consider. Yeah, Noah Igbenogany was a first-round pick that has been poor so far. Not great. Not great thus far. I'll also, I mean, you can go read this on pff.com. I encourage you to check it out. Um, I'll throw one more your way that I think deserves consideration. And that is the Cleveland, the aforementioned Cleveland poopoos. Um, <laughs> that was our podcast. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate all of you for throwing in your questions, for hanging out with us live. If you don't watch us live, you should. And we try to involve, get involved in the chat, hang out a little bit. Uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. We'll see you in July. We'll be here during the July 4th weekend, because that's what we do. Those are the type of people we are. We love you very dearly. Peace out.